welcome to episode 34 of Polly Wanna Cracker. I did say there was going to be some more episodes and here we are. So episodes will still be a little intermittent. As I said on a previous episode, I have got a new job. So as I find my feet in that new role, episodes will be here and there. But I will try my best to get as many out as possible. Today's guest is NXT South Australian Senator Sterling Griff. We uh, had a good chat over the phone. Um, We talked about the NXT, how they work, um, the recent negotiations over the Murray-Darling Basin and the ABCC, and you know, get a little bit more of an insight into, into Sterling as well. So hope you'll enjoy that. You can also check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Polypodcast. And if you have any feedback, please email me, polypodcast at gmail.com. So let's get into episode 34 with Sterling Griff. Hi, Sterling. How are you today? Oh, I'm looking fantastic, Tim. That's great. Thank you for for chatting with me. And um, you know, I as I said off air, I really appreciate you uh, fitting me in on this early Friday morning, which is um, which is is great. Nice sunny weather outside, and I get to do this from the comfort of my home, which is is really great. So um, you know, uh, I I am wearing pants. Don't worry about that. <laughs> well, I can assure you, I'm doing exactly the same thing. Okay, great. Not from not from the home, but from my house. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> All right. Inappropriate jokes aside. Um, um, yeah. Let's get into it. So uh, your, yours is a name that has been around in politics for quite a while, and you and Nick have been linked for a long time. I think it's over 20 years or so. Yes, I, uh, I originally uh, met Nick when I was running the Retail Traders Association probably close to 20 years ago now. And at that time, Nick was holding out against the privatisation of our electricity assets, which, of course, was proven to be very much the wrong thing. So Nick certainly was on the on the right side at the time. And uh, my association was the only association that backed him on holding out. But, but in the end, the electricity assets were sold. And uh, unfortunately, we all ended up getting a raw deal, which is uh, pretty obvious to every state that has privatised since then. But uh, you know, from that point on, I had uh, really quite a lot to do with Nick in my role of uh, running the Retail Traders Association, and uh, over time, of course, we also became friends. Yeah. Okay. So when when Nick comes to you and he says, "I want to build an independent team," what's your response? <laughs> Well, I, I, look, I think I pretty much was there before even he was um, <laughs> early on in the piece. I mean, Nick, Nick was doing a fantastic job, um, you know, running his own race, being an independent and, and arguably being very much the strongest advocate for South Australia. But the one thing that, that always eluded him, particularly when he moved into federal politics, was really having the numbers to be able to get key forms of legislation through because he was effectively just one out of 226 MPs. So what I really, in fact, the real motivation for me getting involved um, uh, with, with setting up the party and recruiting candidates was to ensure that we end up having uh, a situation where he's not just one out of 226 and hopefully, as it is now, at least four out of 226. We've still got a long way to go, but at least it means we've got a, a way better chance of being able to get a lot of the key reforms that Nick has been keen to progress actually happening. Mm, yeah. Would you say that um, are you the real power broker behind NXT? <laughs> No, look. I think it's look. It's a collective. It, it's it's very much a collective. Um, mm-hmm. Whilst I was largely responsible for getting the party up and running, and uh, you know, heavily involved in the recruiting process, um, you know, the ongoing decisions in relation to our, our policy positions, the legislation that we're going to support, and and otherwise, it's very much a collective decision amongst all members. Fair enough. So it, you know, it's only been a short time in Parliament, but uh, obviously NXT was launched um, about twelve months ago, I guess officially. Was it twelve months ago? Well, it would have been a couple of years ago now. I mean, oh, okay. it was we'll quite a 
quite a um, uh, extensive process of of reviewing candidates. Um, you know, we started off with well, close to 500 people that applied to be candidates Australia-wide, and that was sort of a uh, an incredible task having to, you know, catch up with the majority of those people and uh, determine who would be most appropriate in each state. So, yes, it was a very, 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 very uh, long involved, but, uh, you know, highly satisfying um, exercise. Okay, so how would you uh, rate NXT's success rate so far? Well, look, I think it's been fantastic. I mean, look, we would have loved to have had way more candidates, um, you know, particularly in the lower house. But, you know, you just have, just have a look now at, at the success that, you know, as a group, and particularly Nick has achieved really in recent weeks. I mean, we've now got whistleblower laws that will protect people who disclose inappropriate and dodgy behaviour in unions, and a and a rock solid undertaking by government that these laws will be rolled out into corporations. Now, that's never been seen ever in Australia before, so we're very excited about that. We've also got a commitment to form a um, high-powered working group to implement security of payment laws that will protect primarily small contractors from you know, very much poor uh, and somewhat dodgy payment practices uh, in, in the building industry. Mm-hmm. And really the big reform is ensuring government prioritises the purchasing of Australian goods and services. And, you know, government spends around $60 billion on goods and services. Um, so this is a very much a big deal that uh, they will give priority to Australian goods and services and also ensure that Australian product standards are always met on government jobs. Now, that's something that, that Nick has been out there promoting for many, many years. And it's really only because uh, effectively um, you know, government wasn't able to get uh, through some of their key reforms in recent weeks without our vote that we managed to get that through. And we also, in the last couple of weeks, we managed to get an important inquiry up on uh, prosthesis devices, and that's got the potential to save the health system and the public many, many hundreds of millions of dollars. And we also ensured that uh, the new VET student loan process actually gives all training providers the opportunity to have new courses included when they are able to justify job outcomes. So just that handful of, of items that I've run through are very significant and uh, all achieved because Nick is uh, now more than one out of 226 federal MPs. Yeah, well, I, and you did mention the building construction industry, and I do I do want to get to that. But um, where you said that, you know, you, you're ensuring that these things are happening, what do you say to those who, and you know, Christopher Pine's been on here, and he's he said this in before that you know NXT can't form government, so how can they really deliver? So what do you say to those type of people that you guys can't actually deliver anything? Well, look, we we well, I think I I think the proof is in the pudding. I mean, we have delivered. Um, you know, it, it has never been our intention to to form government. You know, we're not about forming government. We're about, um, you know. We're very much about bringing the best ideas from um, both sides of politics together and negotiating a, an outcome that's going to work for Australia and particularly for South Australia. So, you know, we're, we're, as Nick often says, you know, we're a bridge between the left and the right. I mean, we are a, a centrist party. You know, we're all about looking at issues, you know, on their merits and working out the best outcome for people. You know, we're not about, uh, you know, playing toxic politics. Yeah, fair enough. And I should mention that um, Christopher Pine did say that, you know, months before the election campaign, um, you know, and it just it came up in a couple of conversations, you know, a, a while back. But um, how do you think your colleagues from other parties... Well, the other thing Christopher Pine would have to agree with, I mean, even though he would say that the subs were very much... Um, you know, happened because of uh, of his input, and certainly his input was very significant. But I very much doubt um, if if uh, 
you know, the Liberal Party <laughs> wasn't frightened of uh, our potential electoral success, that uh, we would have had that come through as early as it did too. So yeah, that's I think we've really achieved a lot in recent years. Absolutely. So, yeah, so how, do, how do you feel your colleagues from other parties in other states view this little NXT posse when you're in Canberra? Does, do you, does it frustrate them that these renegades from SA seem to come in and play such large decisions in legislation? Look, I don't. I don't think it frustrates. Uh, I don't think it frustrates anybody really. I mean, it's a very interesting dynamic when you're on the other side and when you're 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 seeing what's going on in there. And and look, I think I, I think every every side of politics would believe that the other side is in some way trying to frustrate things. Um, you know, Liberal and Labor would say the same. Uh, the Greens, the Greens would say the same thing about Labor and Liberal. So I think that's uh, you know a pretty common theme all through the place. I mean, we're only. I mean, because we're not out there with, uh, you know, we're not we're not um, banging banging the can on about a particular form of ideology. As I said, we're very much centrist. So the majority of people in Parliament, I think, do respect certainly what Nick has wanted to achieve over the years, and the, and respect the way in which we work. I mean, we don't play games. We're we're upfront with everybody. And, um, you know, we're, we're, we're achieving some excellent successes. In re- recent negotiations over the, the Murray-Darling Basin and then the ABCC, were you really satisfied with the outcome? Yes, yes, very much so. I mean, the Murray-Darling Basin one was quite an interesting one because it was really positioned by, you know, the state Labor government after Barnaby went off and, um, you know, Hunter did his little exercise of... Uh, um, exercising his vocal cords mm-hmm. um, as if it was something that um, was absolutely rock-solid locked in. But that agreement, which was originally struck in 2012, was never a rock-solid agreement in the sense that there was a promise, definite promise, that you were going to get a certain amount of um, uh, you know, water you know, right. down the system. It was really an undertaking that they would consider all things being equal, um, they would consider that um, that amount being uh, put through the system. So, so what Nick managed to achieve in the negotiations was a um, guarantee from the Prime Minister that it would receive priority and it would be brought up at every COAG meeting you know, with the First Ministers, which means that it's got a far greater uh, chance of uh, being achieved than uh, what it had before. So really quite good success with that. Right. Now, so, the ABC... Yeah. Sorry. No, on. no, sorry. I was just going to ask you, um, so the demand of the 450 billion gigalitres, was that, that was never looked at as something that was guaranteed or necessarily achievable? No, no originally it was never a, never something that was definite. It was, it was really undertaking that all the states had that uh, that amount of water would be freed up and the government would spend a significant amount of money, I think over a billion dollars, um, to ensure that um, you know, there were efficiencies within the system. So you know, it, was, it was an undertaking, but not a complete locked-in undertaking. And, and really what Barnaby said in part was correct, but now what we have is, is a firmer undertaking that government will you know, consider it as a high priority, particularly with COAG. So the negotiations over the, over the Murray, did that play into anything with the ABCC at all? No, not at all. Not at all. Not at all. I mean, AB, ABCC, on, on the sense of, uh, yes, us not progressing discussions, yes, absolutely. Right. Okay. So, yeah, there wasn't, um, you know, whether it was like negotiation tactics or demands in one filtering through to try and get something in the other? Well, 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 to a certain extent, we weren't prepared to progress any further discussions with government on any bill until we'd reached a, a, an understanding that the water issue would be a priority and they would make a firm ongoing commitment. And and you're obviously, you were happy, and that's where we were going before, you were happy with um, the outcome of the of the ABCC bill? Oh, yes. Look, look the ABCC uh, bill is, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a critical bill. And look, you know, 
a lot of the arguments that others have had is that uh, why focus on a particular industry? And look, we 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 agree that um, you know other industries um, are also an issue, and we would have uh, much preferred to have a, a federal ICAC, and hopefully that will happen in the future. But without a doubt, no matter what you look at, no matter who you speak to, um, you know you've got a lot of building projects, particularly government building projects, that um, you know are costing about 30% more because of the uh, the tactics that are being played in that industry. So it certainly is an industry that uh, did need to have um, you know, significant change take place. Just switching up a little bit, at least initially, uh, and you've probably you know covered this a little bit in some of your other answers in terms of NXT being centrist, but um, at least initially there were some comments from other politicians, reporters and all that, questioning how the Nick Xenophon team could remain independent. So with those recent negotiations, were you all on you were all on board and so is there a party line or do you feel you were all truly independent? Well, you know, our constitution allows us to to have a conscience vote on anything. However, you know, there are core policy items that we are hundred percent agree on and so far none of us have had any disagreements on any forms of legislation that we've sat down and discussed because you know, we are very much like-minded in the way we think about things and, and how we want to see things progress for the country. So uh, up to this point, absolutely no disagreements, and I would be very surprised if we have any going forward. Okay, I was going to ask you, you know, what happens then when there are some disagreements that hasn't happened yet, I guess, but what do you envision to, to happen if there is, you know, uh, quite obvious deferring opinions? Well, we're certainly not going to have it on our core items. I mean, it could happen on conscience vote. Um, yeah. You know, items. I mean, I, look, I don't know. Just off the top of my head, euthanasia. You know, is is, is possibly one, and and I'm sure there'll be some others. Um, in that particular instance, we'd discuss amongst the group our individual views, and uh, we'd respect whichever way um, each decided to go. I mean, we're not, you know, we're, we're not going to, uh, you know, play a party line and and say that no, in every instance we all have to agree, but mm. we certainly will agree on the majority of our core policies, without a doubt. Yeah, so when you all get together and you discuss things, you obviously feel very free and open to be able to say what's on your heart. Oh, absolutely. And and that has that has always been the case and will continue to be the case too. And and look, you know, we all have worked with each other, you know, for for quite some time or or at least had some kind of relationship with each other. And in the Senate, um, you know, I've obviously known Nick, as I said, for around 20 years. Sky, I've I've dealt with um and uh, you know, worked with the Nick's office on and off for a number of years, so I know how Sky works. And Rebecca Sharkey, well, you know, Rebecca's fantastic and a very, very, very strong advocate for her electorate. So, you know, as a team, you know, we respect each other, we we understand each other's strengths and weaknesses, and uh, you know, collectively, you know, we're really. Um, very much looking forward to creating some positive change. Let's talk a little bit about your background uh, for a little while. So you have a, a Jewish background, and that is a community in Australia that I personally don't feel like I hear a lot about in terms of Australian politics or that community's interests. Is is you know the Jewish community is it marginalised or you know or are they fairly happy? <laughs> you know, like well, why why am I not hearing about their issues? Well, um, just just going back a couple of couple of clicks on that, mm-hmm. my my ancestors basically half of them were Jewish uh, from Russia and the other half mm-hmm. were Catholic, right. Irish Catholic. So 
On my side of things, I don't directly identify with any particular group, okay. but I do have, you know, quite a mixed background. You know, <laughs> just, yeah, just that combination is a very, very interesting, yeah. uh, interesting combination. In your first speech, you you talked a lot about fear and hate campaigns and and singling out communities. So, what was that directed at anyone in particular in the chamber and their supporters? Look, it's just that you know governments typically you know, tend to use fear as a way to be able to control the masses, and that is something that I find really quite abhorrent. You know, this happens worldwide, and and really even just one thing, just having a look at at the way that. Um, you know, refugees were were demonised years ago by by Tony Abbott, and then you ended up having you know both major parties, um, you know, promoting or pushing the the stop the boats, you know, mantra by in, in effect trying to indicate that a lot of these people could have been terrorists or they could have been undesirable people of some kind, and that's a form of demonising. That's that's a form of of uh, you know control. Um, you know, making people fear a particular group of people and their actions. And that's very much something that I, uh, you know, I, I really do find uh, way more than even abhorrent. So how do you work with um, perhaps some of those other politicians where, you know, arguably they may be pushing a certain agenda? So how do you work with those people in the in you know, in Canberra and work through the different legislation on the table? Well, you just need to make sure that you end up getting the numbers to be able to get through what you want. I think it just comes down to that because, you know, the vast majority of people that we deal with on a database, day-to-day basis, particularly in the Senate, are actually quite reasonable people. You know, whilst they might have their own um, you know, strong views on, on certain things, you can normally sit down with people and negotiate, you know, for a positive outcome. You won't always get everybody on side, but, uh, you know, that's what politics is all about, you know, the art of negotiation. Yeah, and I, I actually found it quite refreshing to hear when I talked to Peter Wish-Wilson, the, the Tasmanian, Greens Tasmanian senator. Yeah, no, um, Peter's, Peter's great, actually. Yeah. He's, uh, he sits... Uh, Directly to my left. Yeah, right. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> um, but yeah, when I spoke to him, it was really refreshing because um, while you know the Greens and One Nation are perhaps on opposite sides, and you know not perhaps, but he, he said that you know when you're talking to them, they actually you know they're, they're not bad people. They're you know they're they're nice people, and you know you've got to work with them to be able to find common ground on, on certain things. And you know you might be opposed on others. It was just kind of refreshing to hear that because you, you know you you don't see that in the reports. Obviously, the media going to report whatever and um you know apparently this person's the devil and this person's not you know what i mean like it was actually really refreshing to hear someone that's there every day and say well no actually you know these people aren't terrible people you know you may not always agree no they're not and i think that's also a bit of a difference between the senate and the the house of reps in that you know a lot of the house of reps mps their their focus is very much day-to-day on their electorate you know, as it should be because they're elected members. And, you know, they're often at functions, you know, various events, um, you know, out there, you know, talking day to day with the local community. The Senate, by contrast, tends to be more about committees, inquiries, hearings, where, you know, a mix of people from all parties are coming together and looking at key issues, reviewing legislation, and we're all around the table and we all want exactly the same positive outcome. So it's a very much a, um, a collegiate um set up really within the Senate. That's not that's not knocking the House of Reps, but just the way that we tend to work. Our focus tends to be more on uh, committees and um, you know generating you know, specific outcomes as a group rather than individually. Yeah, it seems to be a lot of collaboration. Because the Senate is very much inquiry-based, it doesn't matter whether an idea for an inquiry actually comes from the Greens, Labor, Liberal, Family First, 
one nation or ourselves because we're all respectful that for having it introduced, it actually means that uh, that particular person or party sees it as being an important issue that needs to be dealt with and we all respect that and are very happy for uh, those inquiries to progress. Yeah, well, and just speaking of those inquiries, as a former banker, do you feel there needs to be a royal commission into the industry? Oh, look, absolutely, absolutely. You know, there are too many, too many people, too many corporations, too many small businesses that have had significant issues over the years and it's an industry because of its size um, and power um, really needs to be looked at carefully. Yeah, so what's, what's the major roadblock to that happening at the moment? Well, the Liberal Party is, is, is the roadblock because Labor, even One Nation, I believe, certainly the Greens and ourselves would be very supportive of having a Royal Commission into banking. Well, I want to thank you for your time this morning. Um, it was really great to talk to you. So I wish you season's greetings, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, all those all those things. Enjoy your break. And uh, I look forward to having a chat to you again sometime in the future. Yep, look forward to it too. And uh, good luck on the new job. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Bollywood Cracker!